episode 1076, 1076, and this is The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And just down the road in Nashville, Check. in his studio, mm-hmm. tired from mixing and mastering, so tired that he's not even showing his face. He mm-hmm. is wearing a ski mask. Uh, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Hello. Everything okay? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's let's not hear, okay. Let's vent here, man. This, this is, is a, a safe, safe space. Yeah, please yeah. vent. <laughs> if I have to hear these daggum songs one more time. <laughs> like, so you did, you did the pontoon mix. After mm-hmm. hearing the album on the pontoon speakers, you're like, I got to dial in some things. Yep. Is that mm-hmm. still what you're working on? It's not just a pontoon boat. So here's the thing. You listen. I listen to a song 1,117 times. So when you first hear it, you like it. So by the time you like it, I now hate it. And that's how this goes. That's how this goes. And then you got to go perform it for the next year. Yeah, that's how this goes. You could do like... You could do like uh, Kanye did with Pablo and just, you know, constantly work on it even after it's released. Yeah. Release it and then just keep tweaking it for the pontoons. See, here's the thing. I'm not Kanye. So Apple's going to be like, bro, look, dog, look, (laughs) you said one one more edit. (laughs) We're taking the the whole thing down right now. Like, so... Yeah, but, you don't want to push yeah, it. Just right now, I'm just gonna put my little ski mask on. But see, this is what's crazy is you produced eight of the ten tracks, right? Yeah. And you're you're mixing it and stuff like that. That's unusual. This is where mm-hmm. your talent is getting in your own way because most artists leave it to other people to listen a thousand times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You've got to do it. You've got to do every step, man. But it's pretty amazing what you created. So, but when it wins a Grammy, it's gonna That's be. That's what worth I'm it. saying. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Beck. Remember Beck yeah. won that Grammy? I forgot who he won that Grammy over. Everybody was pissed. Wasn't it Beyonce? I think it was Beyonce. I think it was Beyonce. Everybody was like, yo, <laughs> what in the world? Who is Beck? Like, that's, that's yeah. the first thing that came to everybody's spot. Because it was the Lemonade album, I believe, is uh-huh. what he beat. No I, was it? no, I think it was her self-titled. Oh, okay. Because Adele won over Lemonade. And in Adele's speech, she was like, I should not be on the stage. Right. Like, That's right. Beyonce, That's right. Beyonce, you should be up here. Yeah, but she Beck was right had to say that. Yeah, Beck had played every instrument or whatever. He had, like, he, it was literally his album. So right. I don't know, man. Like, at this point, I might just, I don't know. I might just, uh, <laughs> just release it. I don't it know. And be man. like, here it is. I, I might just delete the whole thing and just just be like, you know what? Hey, t- it was cool. Like this y'all thing fun? I spent years of my life on. It's like that one Wu Tang album that had one copy that the mm-hmm. that the tech bro guy bought. That's it. We heard it on the pontoon boat, and then and it's gone it. forever. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. You heard it on the pontoon boat. It was great. It was a phenomenal ride. It's a, uh, it was a moment. That's it. Okay, so so here here's I, I this is a real question, Dirk, because you know you know the old adage, you know, you don't want good to be the enemy or perfect to be the enemy of good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, creatively, most of the projects I've ever been involved in had like a really like fixed deadline, and, and at some point, good enough had to be good enough, right? Like it it, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, creatively myself or any any member of the team I was working on with whatever project was probably could have spent more time with it. But at some point it was like, look, it's going to print or it's got to go up or, you know, the feed has to be updated or whatever, you, you know, it yep. is. With the album, is it possible for you to get to that point where it's like, you know what, 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 what I'm going to roll with what I got? Well, I have to because so in order to do that, I had to set up my album to be like, I need a certain amount of pre-saves to come out. And I was like, all right, if I get a thousand pre-saves, then it, I'm going to push the button and get it out. Well, so far I'm at like 800. 
So I'm like, all right, we're looking in the next couple days. I'm going to have yeah. to turn this thing in. Once I turn it in, we're done. So, so, uh, so no pressure. It, no, it's a lot of pressure, <laughs> Jesse, Carrie. It's a well, lot of pressure. I like, have- I am literally sitting, I've been tweaking on a snare for like an hour it, and a vocal, a snare and a vocal for an hour because there's like a frequency in the snare and a vocal that's in the way, and I'm just kind of tweaking it out. But here's the crazy part about it this is what I tell my wife. Most people will say, hey, just release it, it doesn't matter. And people, nine times out of 10, cannot tell you what's wrong with it. They'll just say, I don't like it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I'm mm-hmm. going in right now and doing the detail work that will prevent you from saying something's wrong or something's off with this. Most of the time, yeah. people can't say why. They can't, they'll be, if they like something, it's like no news is good news, right? It's like, oh, yeah, we press play. This is fire. But you don't want to put out an album and then everybody's like, man, this sounds real scratchy. Or when I turn it up, the bass feels this way. So that's what I'm doing now. It's just the detail work of putting everything back in place. And this mass is getting hot. When they rev up the pontoon engine, <laughs> yeah. the bass. But, you know, but you Derek, to- you risk falling. It's like the old, what's the old Oscar Wilde thing? I spent, you know, half the day putting it in a comma and I spent the other half of the day taking it out. Like at <laughs> some point, you, you know, the, the artist, the creative, that's the writer, good. whoever, Gets in their own head. You know what I mean? Well, you walk around Disney World and they have like a construction fence or they're updating something or whatever. They put like inspirational Walt Disney quotes on it. And Mm. my favorite one is everyone needs a deadline. Mm. That's literally on there. Like when they're creating and innovating and whatever, everyone needs a deadline, Walt Disney. And it it is so important because of that. Creatives will tweak forever. If you don't have yeah. a deadline, which is going to push you to innovate, get the price down, get it up, you know, whatever it is, you're going to have barriers you got to hit and milestones you got to hit or else you'll just tweak forever. Another quote he said was like, without deadlines, we would be stagnant. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. true. Cause yeah. you just stay in that place of just like tweaking. Fact, you know? My favorite quote is albums are not finished. They're released. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is, I was telling a partner, um, like, Kanye you know, believe in that. No, he did. I guess he does <laughs> But I was telling a friend, like, this album would have been so much easier if it was just another sync album, like a song for like sports or TV and film. But I think because the music is so personal, like, if it wasn't mm-hmm. so personal, I'd have been done two months ago because mm-hmm. you just don't make a decision about it. You just think. But the irony of it is you kind of want to be in that zone. So I know I'm at the place where. When the tweaks don't help, that's when you know it's it's you're done. There's nothing else. Do you, you have do, anybody? Because so. like every writer needs an editor, every artist needs a producer. Some you, mm-hmm. you need those fresh eyes to say this is good, move forward, or or hone in on this. You are your own producer. You are. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody else in the process that kind of gives you the guardrails to say yes, green light, you're done. Like stop messing with it, or is it just yeah, up I to got, you? I got a couple people that's already been like, look, bro. This thing is done. And then, but I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna send it to a mastering engineer. Because mm-hmm. mastering is has never been my strong suit. So I think I'm gonna send it to a mastering engineer and just be done with it. I think that's probably the best bet. My favorite quote for creatives is uh Hemingway said uh when they asked him about his, you know, he's you know, he's a famous drunk. He said, uh, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> and that's kind of the <laughs> Like he writes because he's loose and he's like free thoughts. And the next morning he's sober and he's going to edit himself. And he's edited everything. Wow. Two mindsets. Right drunk, edit sober. But that's the way he did the two mindset thing, you know? Yeah. But even if you don't don't take that, you know, take it more figuratively, it is like there's no such thing as a bad first draft. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. that, that's Create. the other thing. Mm-hmm. Throw it yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. But then come so back with fresh eyes. Some pity, pretty bad. Well, bad well, dress. well but, but, but I'm saying like the, the mind, the mindset has to be like that. Like you got to keep yeah. pushing yeah. through because otherwise you'll never, you'll never finish the first draft. But then you know? come back with yeah. fresh eyes and yeah. see it differently, whether it's time lapsed or you, you sobered up, whatever it was. And you can see it with, from a different perspective, you know? Yeah. Right. I actually think I'm going to take the rest of the day off and just, I don't know. Go to the park. Go you to walk away Greece. from it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I loved how when we were in Montana, you kept like posting the social, like go outside, <laughs> you know, like go outside. That's right. what we need right now. Yeah, advice. exactly. 
All right, man. Uh, well, we have a great show in store for you. Coming up later, we talk to artist Andy Grammer, huge pop artist. You guys know his music. Uh, he joins us. He has a new album coming out. And uh, at the end, we have your feedback, the youth group names. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but right now, stay tuned. Up next, it's Relevant Buzz. Scrolling through life, I barely recognize from my hometown. Took in the lonely view, got unattached. Ringing with the calm, your arms wrapped around when the fever took. Thought I was gone for good, you brought me back. Listening to Nothing But Thieves, the song is Overcome. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week, Emily. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Fast and Furious um, on this podcast. Uh, some of us are big Do fans. We? Some of us... Fast and Furious <laughs> 1 through 6. I'm a purist. 1 through 6 and 1 through 6 only. 7 through 11 is a travesty. I feel like we talk about it more than the average human. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the amount of times it's been brought up is interesting. Yeah, most conversations in my personal life have to do with either Vin Diesel directly or the Fast and Furious franchise. So, you know, point stands. <laughs> Anyway. Well, we're continuing that conversation. Um, the latest Fast movie, Fast X, is out right now. And so a lot of the stars are doing promo, including Tyrese Gibson. Um, and the reason we're bringing it up is because he was on a podcast recently and he kind of didn't promote the movie. He actually took a time to give a really interesting warning to Christians about how the world is trying to normalize the devil. Um, oh. We have the clip mm. now, actually, we're going to th- play it. I thought, I thought you were going to say a warning to Christians about the new Fast and Furious movie, but all right. Yeah. Uh, warning <laughs> to Christians too. and pretty much people of all faiths or no faiths. <laughs> it's a stinker. It's, we, you know, really phoned this one in. It, um, it's just a cash grab, everyone. It's yeah. just a cash yeah. grab. <laughs> We don't know. We we don't even know what Jason Momoa is doing in this thing. <laughs> he, it's like it's like he's in a different movie. It's like he's in a Simpsons episode. He's a Simpsons villain. Yeah. All right, here's the clip. God will send you all of the desires of your heart, and that that is something that I want everybody who can hear this interview to know. As much as I'm supposed to be promoting this movie and talking about my album, I just feel like. We're in competition right now because they are trying to normalize the devil. They are trying to populate. The devil is is on the main stage at award shows and in every video and signs and symbols. And I said, you know what? We need to stop treating our relationship with Jesus like the little buddy that you talk to before you go to bed at night and not Mm. be more vocal about all the things that God means to us and all of the things that God has brought us through. Because there's been a lot of moments that you didn't post about. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, how did God decide to get yeah. me through this? Yeah, man. And yeah, they going above and beyond to po- promote the devil. And it's pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Because they, they used to, devil worshipers used to be real secretive. Oh, like, yeah. Going down in the basement, this yeah, secret man. world. Now they just. Now like, they on the ah. device, too. Yeah. Believe that. Interesting. Now, Emily, I yeah, didn't see wild. the video of that. What podcast was that? Or what show was that? Um, that was. Devil Talk. De- oh, Devil Talk. With, Devil Talk with Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new limited series. 
in question slow enough yeah did he have his shirt on for the interview that's what i want to know he I've did only have ever... his shirt yeah. on okay. is okay. that a thing that he normally doesn't all of his 90s r&b album covers he was shirtless. no shirt he was famously him and d'angelo a shirt I don't know if he did. Oh, he owned several shirts. He just didn't wear them because he looked like uh, a black Spartan. Yeah, to be fair, (laughs) he looked fantastic. So did D'Angelo. So did (laughs) D'Angelo. Disturbingly fantastic. All right. All right. So, double on the main stage. Tyrese Gibson warning everybody. I hear what he's saying, you know, but I do think. Is he talking about like that Lil Nas X Grammy performance when he's all, or SNL performance and all that? Yeah, Yeah. because I mean, some of this is, is not literal. You know, it, it's not the devil or Satanism in a literal perspective. It, it's it's artistic license. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that's you know good or 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 I'm not really making a, a statement about it. But I do think there's some distinction between like actual like occult witchcraft stuff and people using you know what we perceive what what like an artistic representation of what we perceive as like the devil or good and evil as, you know, as commentary. I do think there's some distinction to be made, but I, but I think the point stands. I, I also think anytime that someone in pop culture uses religious imagery or imagery that stems from a religious source, it also provides an opportunity to kind of engage about faith and, and topics about faith. Like I said, I, I do see the point that he's making, but I also think there is some opportunity to address it in a way that's thoughtful and not just, you know, out of pearl clutching, you know? Yeah. 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 The boogeyman's come for us. Yeah. All right. What else do you have, Emily? Uh, the next thing, uh, is actually another clip, um, sort of in a completely different vein, but Two uh, clips. we saw this this week. You're like a substitute teacher just playing a movie for class. I like it. And those were honestly the best days. Those were the best. I like like it. Those were the best days of school ever. I like it. Put the projector up. You see the the cart getting wheeled in? It's like, yes. Let's go. One time we tricked our our sub into letting us watch Mulan in like a geography class because we convinced our teacher or we convinced the sub that like we were supposed to watch it because a kid had brought the movie just in the hopes that we could convince him. And it worked. Our teacher was so mad at us afterwards, but... (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was a great day for high school Emily so um, no okay our second clip uh, we saw this earlier this week and we just thought it was really funny and interesting um, Ira Glass who's the host of This American Life um, you know made this whole radio show telling these beautiful stories um, but in a conversation with comedian Mike Birbiglia Glass shared how uh, he actually found out he did not come up with his storytelling technique um, he had a little bit of unknown inspiration. He he mm. thought literally he thought that he invented the three act storytelling structure, which is no, he, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says on this clip here, take it away. He literally says self deprecatingly, no, "I no, literally he, thought no. I invented this way of telling stories," <laughs> and then he found out he's just been ripping off Jesus all along. Play the clip. Sometimes I tell this this thing I'm about to tell you. Sometimes I tell this on stage, but it's a true story. And like years ago. Uh, when I was married to Anahid, we lived across the street from the seminary uh, on the west side. And uh, and every night I would take out our dog and there was this guy named Joe Derbis uh, who was a seminarian. And, uh, and you, know, you, you see people every day and you're like, he had a dog, I had a dog. And you know, you're talking and, and, uh, and you know, like, what do you do? What do you do? And like at some point I was like, well, I kind of invented this way to do a radio show. Like where... And it's like this, you know, it's like these stories and they're kind of funny, but they're also like have feeling and like basically the structure is like there's plot and then an idea and then plot and an idea and plot and idea. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what they teach us in there in the seminary. Yeah, like, that makes you? sense. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's that's every that's every sermon. It's every ever sermon. And, and I was like, no, no, it's not. He's like, basically, if you think about a sermon, like you start with something that was in the news or in the congregation that week, and then you say, well, here's the meaning, you tell the story of that, and then here's what this means. And then you go to some story from the Bible that relates to it, and you tell that story, and then you say, here's the lesson of that one. You go to, it's basically like story, idea, story, idea, story, idea. And I was like, and I really was really cool to her. So I was like, no, I, I invented this. Like, you know, and he's like, no, no. He actually at one point said, like, if you look at Jesus's sermons in the Bible, if you look at Jesus' sermons in the Bible, that's the structure of his sermons. Oh, wow. And then I went to the New Testament and like, and sure enough, like when Jesus tells a story, like the parable of the prodigal son, you know, it's a little plot. And then he actually totally spells out, here's the meaning of this story, you know? And um, which means that I accidentally invented something that was like 
old at the time of Jesus, because I don't know about you, I don't think of Jesus as like a structure guy. I think of him as more of a content guy. All right. I don't know what to do with that one. I know, right? Like, how did you think that you invented a three-part story? Like, I, I don't understand I don't why he literally thought that, but whatever. Apparently, Jesus beat him to it. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, we, we've had the the privilege of talking to him a couple times, and uh, you know, he he has a you I, have I, yeah, Jesus well, <laughs> every day, every day. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Ira Glass, and I'm sure people can find some of those conversations in, in the archives. But he, he he's a really thoughtful guy, especially when it comes to you know matters of faith. Even though he's not a person who practices faith himself, you know, he he has a lot of admiration for faith communities, people of faith. And, you know, in, in this case, the, 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 the means at which faith spreads, which in, in the case of Christianity, a lot of times is storytelling and parables. So yeah, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting take there from Roll Ira. Oh, Ira. I just love that he like doubled down on like, no, this is my storytelling. Like I did this and it's like, let's, let's just think about this. Like, yeah, <laughs> you really think you came up with this, you know, anyways. Um, glad that he was humble enough to admit his the error of his ways. Listen, listen. If if Jesus didn't invent it, I would have. I'm not trying to put myself. In, you know, I'm being humble here. It's what I'm doing. Yeah. It goes Jesus, then me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 His words, not mine. Not mine. All right. What, what's the last thing you have, Emily? Uh, the last thing is um, a interesting study from Pew Research that looked at just kind of the evolving relationship between technology and faith, particularly among young adults. Um, So, you know, with Mm. the pandemic, the um, rise of online church really happened. And I think a lot of people thought it would either be here to stay and like completely take over or it would fade away. And it kind of seems like it's just in this middle area. So about 48% of U.S. adults ages 18 to 39 still regularly engage in religious services online or like watching television. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of people um, are doing more of like a hybrid model where they'll go to church in person sometimes or they'll stay in their pajamas and watch on Sunday mornings from the comfort of their couch or doing other things. Um, But it's just it's interesting that, you know, all these years later, these few years out of the pandemic, and we're still kind of figuring out, like, how does technology and church interact with one another? Mm. I, I saw this, too. And, like, I think, you know, having done, you know, substantial amounts of online church as well as in person and just speaking, you know, to the Ira Glass thing, I, you know, I... Sometimes I get more out of a, a a sermon that I'm watching or listening to than one that I'm sitting in in person. You know, like really, the, the, like the worship experience I, obviously is, is different. Like I think there's something to you know corporately that corporate exercise. But a lot of times mm-hmm. when I'm sitting in like a, a service, like you know, and and someone is like preaching. Like I said, a lot of times I absorb it better when I'm in the comfort of my own home and not kind of thinking about a thousand things around me or, you know, what time, you know, what, what time we're going to lunch or, you know, what, you know, sometimes not even that comfortable to kind of sit in those chairs for that period of time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's, I think there's validity to, you know, experiencing the message and the sermon kind of however you want. Like, I, I don't necessarily, because it's not a communal experience. It's not like I'm chit-chatting with the person next to me during the mm-hmm. sermon. You know, I might as well, you know, why does that need to be a, the, the communal thing when, like, I, I do see, like I said, uh, reasons for, like, ministry or worship. But for the actual sermon itself, sometimes it's like, yeah, I kind of get the point. Like, I, 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 I sometimes absorb it better when I'm not, you know, sitting in a room with a bunch of people, you know? <laughs> You're saying almost like a podcast, right? Like in a sense that if yeah. you're watching a sermon, it almost feels like a like a yeah. podcast. But I yeah. think I think that also goes into what I would say. My biggest pushback with modern church in general is what what are we offering besides a concert and a podcast? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. what is the church? It, it, and when you look at the the biblical church, it was often a real community. Um, I think sometimes we've got we've been on this push to make things so big and and explosive and to keep everybody's attention that the community element is lost. So then now what's happened is 
you say, okay, well, if the main point for me is to go listen to worship and to hear a sermon, well, I can listen to, rather than listen to four people that are kind of okay at singing, I could put on, you know what I'm saying, top quality music, and then I could listen to the sermon like a podcast. And if that's all the church has to offer, it's going to be hard to draw people back. I think that the community aspect of the church is what needs to be rehabbed and worked on right now. Yeah. So, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, the numbers were shockingly high. I mean, as far as like, I thought you said 48% of young adults mm. are doing virtual church. I, it baffles me. But it's one wild. thing that study that our article highlighted was that 32% of those people said that they're watching or listening passively. They're not like actively mm-hmm. paying attention to the sermon. They're cleaning mm-hmm. the kitchen or they're doing something else. That's interesting to me because it's like, if you were at church, you wouldn't be listening passively. Well, I guess Jesse would, cause he's thinking about lunch, but, <laughs> but I mean, I just, I'm curious to see if like the sermons evolve or whatever, because if 70% of the listeners aren't really paying attention I don't know. Well, it's just going to be interesting to we'll see what get, happens. Hey, just get AI to do it like they did in Sweden, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, just get AI to do it. They'll they'll generate a black man. He'll hoop <laughs> for you. You know what I'm saying? I think they literally generated like a black guy. <laughs> they said the sermon was, was pretty yeah. was pretty dope. Like, <laughs> but, but, but Cameron, to your point, though, I, I don't know if you know, conflating passive listening with not paying attention, right? Like, mm. so you like, I, I, I was listening to some like psychologists are saying that some people actually absorb stuff better when their body's moving. Like, there are some mm-hmm. people it's better to have a walk and talk with because they're going to absorb more from the conversation. Like, I know I'm, if I'm one dr- of them. If I'm driving and listening mm. to something, I absorb it a thousand times better than if I'm mm. sitting in a room watching something. If I'm sitting in a room watching something like, the part of my mind that needs to be like in movement or kind of doing things, it's overrun with like additional thoughts. But if I'm like on a walk or riding my bike or, or doing mm-hmm. dishes with, I absorb stuff way better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just mm. feel like when it comes to absorbing a message, I, I don't necessarily think that has to be a corporate experience. I think other parts of ministry, certainly. But that aspect, Community. I, I kind of, yeah. I, I get it. You know what I mean? I get that. Yeah. You know, some people prefer to to absorb it the way that they absorb it best. You know. So the perfect church is you show up for the potluck, but then you go home and you listen to the sermon on your own. But you hang out with the people and then you go home for the. Uh, yeah, I mean, what? What's? Why not? I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why? Why not? You know. There you go. All right. Well, for more stories like that, make sure to check relevantmagazine.com every weekday where we're covering the intersection of faith, culture, life, justice, all of it. Thanks, Emily. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Andy Grammer joins us. Ninth grade, I picked you up before the first date. You were allergic to your entree. You couldn't pasta, and the movie was awful. I said, Let me get a redo anywhere you want to go, and you can pick it. I can get you like, What's the worst thing that happened next evening? A tire burst, of fireworks, and the theater, the higher ups to tell you what you can't eat, where you can't go, how to dress, how to act decent. I've seen you fall to pieces, seen you completely naked. There's no more ways you can surprise me since you. You're listening to Dominic Fike. The song is Ant Pile. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad free. You get ad free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives, our beautifully designed digital issue, and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is Andy Grammer. He's a pop singer-songwriter who's got hits like Honey, I'm Good and Keep Your Head Up. He spoke with Emily about his upcoming album, Love is the New Money, and why he wants to spread more love and positivity into the world these days. Here's our conversation with Andy Grammer.
what is it that makes these this like project so special for you? Um, I think that it is a album where I actually, you know, I'm coming up on 40. And so there's just stuff that you have to deal with when you get to that age. <laughs> yeah. And this is the, like, I think that I viewed myself a certain way. And throughout the process of writing this album, I was able to like actually view myself differently, you know? Mm. So the, the title of the album is Behind My Smile. And I think that if you asked me three years ago or two years ago, like to describe myself, I would give you a pretty simple answer. Like I'm like a really, I'm like a happy guy, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of good things Been really blessed, lucky. Sure. I've had some difficulties, but we pushed through it. And, uh, I'm going to show you most of my, my good side. And, um, and then if you're lucky, life will throw you through the, um, through the washing machine hard enough to where you have to get a little more realistic, not realistic, just a little more accepting and have a broader understanding of like who you are. There's lots of pieces to who you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so through the, through the process of the last couple of years, been in therapy, really like owning just the wide spectrum of what I can be as opposed to just uh, carrying the happy flag. you've been in therapy i'm just curious like is there anything that you've learned in therapy that you could share that's like just been really encouraging to you as you've been like wrestling with these different emotions and thoughts yeah I, you know it's funny i like to go after and write songs about, about like things that on their surface seem trite um and then dig in and try to get into them in a way that kind of like hopefully expands it a little bit. So the idea of self-love is something that I was not expecting to have be a cornerstone of this record. I did not see that coming at all. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite songs of the record is called Joy. And if you want joy, I don't know how you get there without self-love. Um, and then you know, there was a lot of therapy around like, oh man, you got some work to do with yourself alone. Mm. You do pretty well in groups, uh, especially groups of thousands of people. Um, but when you are alone, either in the pandemic or alone in your hotel room after, or uh, you got some, you got some real work to do. And so what showed up pretty hard for me was like self-love is an area that I need to like take seriously. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know why, whether it's I'm a dude or whether like what, it, you know, it just, you hear self-love and immediately go like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, for me at least. Mm -hmm. And and then it was kind of like sat in front of me and said, you cannot look away from this. This is something that you need to deal with. And uh, that's been some weird, hard, amazing work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there is something about self-love that's a, uh it can be weird but it is it's ultimately good so it's always good to like dig into that i don't know why it sounds like flimsy or like um over dramatic or something mm. like self-love feels like okay you don't yeah. you know you don't love yourself and uh and the deeper you dig into it the more it's like oh this is this is some real stuff here that we gotta go through um, so i'm grateful for it yeah but you gotta keep your head up oh, And you can let your head down hey, You gotta keep your head up oh, And you can let your head down hey, I know it's hard You know, it's interesting talking about like this need for love in our lives and in the world and you know, I we're both aware the world has not been necessarily full of love these last few years um, sure. and so uh, I'm just, but you also are an optimistic person. So I'm just curious, like when I look at the world, I see that there's like a need for love. Do you feel that way too? Or do you see it differently than I do? No, I think, um, I think we're at a spot where, where it's, a, it's harder to find spaces to just connect with each other and share love than maybe it's been in the past. I think that we are really siloed in algorithms and we are uh, in our devices. And over the aggregate, when you add all that up, there's less uh, connection occurring. 
at the moment. And being, and then it's like, you know, you're getting some from your phone and it feels something. But like, we do a basic thing before we go on stage on my tours where we put one of the band members in a chair. There's seven of us. And everyone has to just for a minute say what they love about this person. Right. Everyone cries. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, what that says to me is like, wait, why does everyone cry? It, you are overwhelmed with the feeling of just telling someone else what you love about them. And a small, creating a small little 10 minute space for that to happen means that there is an undercurrent, there is a river of love that is happening under all of us. And we just need a little more space to share it. And, and there's, however we're all set up in society right now, it's not as easy as it should be. You know, I, like the best day of my year, I made this music video for Love is the New Money. And I just took a film crew around, didn't do anything crazy, just went up to the average person in my life and spent a minute telling them what I, why I love them. And like, you go to your dentist and you say like, you're always so sweet. Like, thank you so much for mm -hmm. being who you are. You fix my teeth because I, I like crack it all the time. That's when I'm <laughs> jumping around on stage. Go to the barista, my favorite coffee shop and say like, you, you're such a good vibe. Like every time I come in here and I want to tell you that, go to my age, go to all these people. And it seems simple, but then everyone cries. So there's something going on here that is powerful that we are not giving enough attention to. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my real mission currently is to figure out how to create more and more of those spaces. And when I go on tour, I want to try to do that as well. Is to create spaces where we can, I don't know, there's a block here. There's mm -hmm. a river that isn't able to, to like get out. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not saying I have the answer. I, I just think, you know, I had a really interesting talk with um, the Surgeon General of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, his name's Vivek Murthy. And we talked for about an hour and he, he came into the Surgeon General role thinking he was gonna go after like opioids or like all, all these different things. And after taking his time and researching what he, he put out a book called Togetherness and cause he thinks the, the biggest epidemic in America is loneliness. That resonates with me and, uh, and I want to make music that makes people feel less alone. Like what a greater, there's no cooler thing to wake up and try to figure out how to do. And so I'll, I'll, I'll addend that, uh, like add to that saying like step one of, of that for this record is saying like behind my smile, I, if the happy guy can be depressed, maybe that will make me feel less cool because it's true. Yeah. That was Andy Grammer. Uh, next week, summer issue of Relevant comes out. A little heads up, a little insider knowledge, a little inside tip. And uh, you can read more from that conversation in our feature with him in the next digital issue. Be sure to check it out next week. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. listening to Neil Francis and St. Panther. The song is Head Straight. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus's growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans, as the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. All right, it's time for your feedback. Last week, I we were talking about like youth group games, I guess, like Chubby Bunny or whatever, and I just mentioned in passing that my youth group 
in the '90s was named Strike Force, and uh, it just got a force. The violent taken by force. It's a Carmen video, basically. Um, anyway, it got us thinking about uh, terrible youth group names that we've all experienced. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast to tell us yours. Here's a few of our favorites. Wow, Brandon's. I, I there's a lot to unpack on this. That's, <laughs> I see from, it. The, from a theological standpoint, from just a, <laughs> like a branding standpoint. Um, yeah, say it. It's oh. his youth group. Well, this is what he claims it was, was FOB. Two, and it's, it's an acronym, T-H-O-B, for to heaven or bust. Now, mm. Mm. It, one, I'm, no one's walking around with a THOB t-shirt. No one wants, hey, <laughs> No one was going to go to their buddy. You want to go with me to Thob tonight? Wednesday night Thob. <laughs> mm. No, you know, no, hard, hard, the hardest of hard passes there. And isn't the whole idea is to to bring heaven here, not go there? I, I again, I don't want to unpack the the theology here. I from mm. a strictly a branding standpoint, there's just something very unsettling mm. about the word Thob. I'm going to Thob tonight. Yeah, it sounds work. like you're saying trying to say something else, but you have a lisp. Sob. Sob. Throb. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say, but it's not thob. Yeah. Anyway, there's more. Uh, we wanted to bring in our, our uh, producer, Jason, because when we were about to start recording, he told us his. Hey, Jason, what, what, hey. what, what was your youth group name? Okay, so actually, and you were a youth leader at this, or youth pastor at this. <laughs> so youth oh, so this, this is your fault. Okay, your fault. Yeah. I'm judging. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, while because I've 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 been a youth pastor of a few youth groups, and I've been a part of a lot. But uh, I thought of uh, I remembered three, and all of them were acronyms. Uh, the one I mentioned mm. before was uh, which I sent last week in the chat, and I think Derek said it was Wow, uh, which stood for that was the name of the group. Uh, and this was the one I was a youth pastor of, and we uh, we called it Warriors of Worship, uh, which you know, Warriors. Mm. See, Strike Force. Warriors what, what is of it? Worship. <laughs> Very combative mm. names. Very. Yeah. And who are you warring about for worship? Like Warriors of Worship. What is that? Like who are yeah. you battling in your worship? Hey, battle? praise is a weapon. This, you know what I'm saying? You, like we have to. This we have why the Christians altar. are some of the most obnoxious people in the comment <laughs> section online. It's because when they were a youth group, somebody convinced them they were some sort of warrior. They were a warrior. Listen, hey, now listen, they we are wrestle here not against flesh and blood. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, we're we're principalities and powers, oh. rulers of darkness and high Something places. Like a true youth pastor. Uh, yeah, so I, I we need to wrestle with shutting up. That's what I want. Maybe the best approach isn't the most confrontational name you can think of for yeah, a but, place but, that's but, supposed but, to look, at, look at Ben Stroops. His, his youth group was named Teen Explosion. Like, why are we trying to make the teens explode? Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, the exploding teenagers. Wait, um, Daniels, look at this. He had two names, Blaze and SWAT, which stood for Spiritual Weapons and Tactics, which is what we're talking about. Again, I think both imagery. were names of American gladiators at one time too. Blaze <laughs> and SWAT. Like <laughs> in the jousting mm. competition, you were facing Blaze and SWAT. Yeah. Uh, the mm. uh, Sarah said uh, uh, her, her youth group uh, didn't have a name, but our room was called the third place. The idea of being the third place we feel safe after home and school. Sarah, I got bad news from you. I think your youth pastor stole that from Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, who came up with the idea <laughs> of uh, marketing the third place. But hey, at least he took credit for it. Um, Scott Nuss. Scott Nuss has my favorite. It's his Christian club was called Your Mom, yelling our unbelievably reviving message of mercy. I think he won. If I was going to join any of them, I'd probably join Your Mom. So <laughs> shout out to that. I'm going no. to Your Mom tonight. <laughs> Leave my mother out of this. I like Ryan's, which his youth group was. The letter D, the letter V, and the number eight, pronounced, as you expect, deviate. Um, he said it was meant to encourage us to deviate from the ways of the world and follow Jesus. And then he says, mind you, we were all mostly raised in the church. So you might think to deviate would be to not follow their teachings. Yeah. Good point. I think that he, the youth pastor just saw that on a license plate and be like, I wonder how I can make this work for a youth group because that sounds pretty cool. Like a vanity plate somewhere. Justin Converse at Crossfire. What is it with the violent imagery? Mm -hmm. My youth group was LIFE, which stood for Life is for Everyone. And I love when an acronym 
uses the has word the acronym, the acronym. Yeah, in it. Yeah, that you can, yeah. It's like def- you can't say the definition of the word by using the word. Like, I yeah. really, I genuinely loved my youth pastor. Really respect him. I will say creativity, not his strong suit. Yeah. Mm. He had a lot of other strengths. So Jason, yeah. in your experience as a youth pastor, former youth pastor, did you pick the name? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you I mean, picked it. Like you said to the well, main I mean, pastor, it wasn't like a party I want to name one. the youth group. Wow. I'm going to name the youth group. Wow. And then you had a big presentation with the acronym. Uh, listen, and all went, that stuff. I, I went into this is, hand to God. This is the God's honest truth. Okay. Yeah. We were getting ready to paint the youth group room. And so I was going to make it so dramatic. I went into the, to the room and I was like, we're renaming ourselves. I had black spray paint and I spray painted. Mm. Wow. On the wall. And they were like, oh, Mm-mm. my gosh, yes. You know, they were so excited. Attendance the next day exploded. It was a teen explosion. In there. They, <laughs> it was a teen explosion. They, they went from four teens, to six. Teens around teens. town were going to be, you're not going to believe I mean, this. I'm telling you. Wow. Spray painted on the wall. You have to come <laughs> and devote your life and you devote yeah, they, your life to the message. Yeah, they couldn't wait to get in the door. We ran out of pizza. Did you put the periods in between the letters? Yeah, you graffiti? It. I mean, God, come on. We're yeah, grammatically correct. And, you know, North Alabama, yeah. that's something that we really prided ourselves on there. Um, we also had salt student action leadership team, which was the, uh, the, the leaders within the youth group. And then I had a youth group named Axe apostolic Christian teen society. Mm. So apostolic. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were really passionate about it. Well, Jet, Jet had for a while, he said his was shine. Then a new youth pastor came along and changed it to echo. Now I will say shine <laughs> and echo are all capitalized. So I'm assuming these are, acronyms for for some string of biblically sounding words but shine and echo sounds like you had two pet dolphins you know what i mean that's the name of your pet dolphins a duo a duo of 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 trained pet dolphins and ladies and gentlemen let's hear it for shine and echo (laughs) and they're like the beach ball off the nose go to flip or something shine and echo with the backflip <laughs> synchronized, so yeah, good. synchronized dolphin pair performance. Oh, did dolphin. you see see Stevens? He said Faith Corps was middle school C O R P S. So again, military Faith Corps oh. and high schoolers was the word force. Word force <sighs> sounds like a grammar club or something. It sounds like, like, it, sounds like it, it sounds like an app. <laughs> it sounds like it, like a, a like word a word knockoff. Yeah, I think it is an app. <laughs> Word force. It does sound like a game. All right. Well, that was great. Y'all didn't disappoint. There's more where that came from. If you want to check out the no, replies, it was not great. We're not gonna call this great. What was yours? What was yours? You never told us your youth group name, Derek. We didn't have one. It's just a youth group. It was just we going to church. Gotcha. Think about yeah, how different your life would be if you had if you went a to strike cool force youth group name. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Like, this is the standard. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, we just Mom, like, I right, go to- we got church on Wednesday. Dude, All Derek's, right, like, Pull if up. I, Derek's like, if I had, if my youth group was named one of these names, I would have deconstructed a long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> yes, sir. You Disentang- I would have yeah. disentangled from Crossfire. But- I'm out of here. From your mom? That was a pretty good one. That was your mom, actually, your mom is fire. I don't even hold you. Your mom is... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, we got we were talking about youth group names. It's summer break right now, so we got us thinking about youth camp, youth group camp. I mean, most churches do this. My church does. They take all the high schoolers and middle schoolers away for a week to encounter Jesus and play really weird games. Uh, so we want to know your your funniest, craziest uh, summer youth camp uh, stories. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and we'll read our favorites on next week's show. I'll never forget this one night where um, two youth groupers uh, broke into the holding pen and freed Shine and Echo. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> they were not equipped for life in the open <laughs> scene. Died almost immediately. It was a very big tragedy for Shine and Echo, but a wild story, everyone. Did you guys have like teams? Like, like my youth group camp was always like the blue team, the yellow team, red team, and then you had like 
challenge points for the week I, and all that I, kind of I, stuff. Again, a key strategy for most youth groups was pitting the students against each other. Correct. In a form of competition. And physical challenges, usually. Yeah. All right, well, hit us up. Tell us your funniest, most memorable summer youth camp stories. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Andy Grammer for joining us today. Make sure to check out his new album, Love is the New Money, uh, wherever you get your music. Also, a couple of a couple of updates before we sign off. Um, I mentioned in passing, I shouldn't have, that next week the summer issue of Relevance coming out, and we will tell you more about that on next on the next episode. But uh, if you haven't signed up yet for Relevant Plus, it is the best way to experience our content, including a gorgeously designed, enhanced digital magazine. You also get ad-free unlimited viewing at relevantmagazine.com. You get an ad-free version of this podcast and an exclusive subscriber podcast each week as well. And plans start as low as just $250 a month. Um, there you go. If you don't want ads, you want unlimited and a beautiful digital magazine experience, check out Relevant Plus. All the info is right there at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We're posting every day on Twitter, at Relevant, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, all of our content. You don't want to miss a thing. Or if you aren't a social media person, you can go over to our homepage and sign up for our daily newsletter where we send you our top five trending stories to your inbox each weekday morning. It's a great way to stay in the loop. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. And they're like, shiny echo with a backflip. Relevant Podcast Network.